Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Someone say mind games. Mind games. Well, how many of you know, if you've spent any amount of time in God's Word, you know that, and you start to understand God's Word, you spent any amount of time under good teaching, solid teaching, you say, man, much of the battle is in my mind, like Joyce Meyer said. Much of the battles in our minds, many times what we act out with in our body, how we eat, how we take care of ourselves, how we abuse or take care of our bodies, it all starts in our minds. When folks have been victims of abuse, it damages their minds, doesn't it? I want to hazard a guess that probably the majority of us in this room have been abused at some time or another. I fit into that list. It was brief, but it turned my life upside down. I was briefly sexually abused by a neighbor, and it introduced me to all kinds of things that I never would have been exposed to, I believe. And it's very, very strange and odd. It's not our fault, and you need to stop blaming yourself. Pastor Jen recently spoke a message on overcoming shame and guilt. Young man, young lady, the abuse was not your fault. But now, most of us, since most of us have been abused, it's time to get past it and get over it. I'm not making light of it, saying, oh, no, you, what happened to you was nothing. No, it changed your life, whether it was physical, verbal, sexual abuse. But you do not have to live guided by that. That does not have to be your God with a little G. Many times a situation happens to us, and it becomes our God because it guides our lives. That is not your God. The God of heaven is your God. You're not here by accident on a Sunday. So let's get into this. We're going to talk about renewing our minds, getting our minds to where they need to be because that's where the battle begins. And that's what we live out, act out, and do is what we're thinking on. So we need to re replace, exchange our thoughts for God's thoughts. Let's go to Romans 12.1. A couple of introductory verses here real quick. Powerful. You're, you're familiar with them. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, the apostle here says, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Hmm. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Why? Let me interject something there. The Pastor Matt translation, because the world's junk doesn't work anyway. Say, oh, I just want to be like the world. That hasn't worked for them. They're miserable. Every seven years, there's a boom and a bust. Have you noticed that? Oh, we're in a recession again. We're in this again. You need to be part of God's kingdom. And you say, man, how do I really be free? Scripture says, he that the Son is set free is free indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth begins in the mind. You say, I got it deep down in here, but yet it, it, it started in your mind to get it into your inner man or inner woman, right? The inner you, the real you. You are a spirit. You have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. So we got to make sure we take care of that mind realm because that is very, very important. That's an important part of your soul. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. You can't, See that word, the little three-letter word, let God? How do you let God? Well, we're going to talk about it today some more. you got to get into the word, don't you? you got to get around good influences. you got to be careful what you expose yourself to. Let God, L-E-T, someone say let. God's not going to do it for you. Once you've accepted Jesus, your spirit man is reborn, but you still got to deal with your soul, don't you? Your mind, your will, and your emotion. When you accepted Jesus, your mind didn't get saved, did it? You say, man, Pastor Matt, I'm still thinking about crazy stuff. That's because you got to exchange your thoughts for God's thoughts. 
Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Someone say think. Then you will learn what? This is powerful. After you exchange your thoughts for God's thoughts, you begin to learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Someone say good. Someone say pleasing. Someone say perfect. Oh, man, those are some powerful adjectives, right? Good and pleasing and perfect. Let's head to another verse. Before I hit you up with my first point this morning, let's go to Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart. That's the inner you. Someone say the inner me. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. There was a saying back in the day when computer programming was becoming more mainstream. And computer programmers talked about garbage in, garbage out. You put junk computer code into a computer, then you're going to have junk programs that don't work right. They will malfunction. You ever met someone who's not a good functioning human because they've been through abuse, because they couldn't forgive someone, because they've been hooked on addictions, hooked on drugs, whatever it is, we cannot get stuck there. You've got to clear your mind for renewal, so you've got to be careful about what you're exposed to. All right? Talked about that last week. Exposure. What have you been exposing yourself to? So in order to properly clear your mind for renewal, you say, Pastor Matt, you should have brought this up last week. Well, it's a given that when you accept Jesus, you repent, right? But how many of you know when you come to Jesus, you can't remember every single sin you ever committed? It'd be days, weeks, and months, and you're not going to remember everything. You're just not. So... When you come to the Lord, you repent of your sin, but after you've accepted Jesus, let's go to 1 John 1, 9. You've got to say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin as well. This is a letter written to believers. You've got to get to the point where you say, Lord, I'm sorry. It is not my heart to sin. If you have 10,000 sins to commit or, or that you've committed, then I say you really need to make sure your heart is right with God and you got saved because if you really accepted Jesus, you're not going to want to have just thousands of sins. You're not going to practice sin. Now, you may have some times where you slip and fall. We call it in church, church Christianity, uh, Christianese and Christianity, we say backsliding, right? Man, I fell back. I slid back into the world. Okay, okay. You can still confess your sins, though. Look at this. As a believer, this is very important. Many people try to live life with unconfessed sin. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unwicked, all wickedness. Can someone say amen? One translation says unrighteousness. I was trying to mix those two. All wickedness. Wow. How about this? Let's go to James 5.16. You don't tell your sins to everybody, but sometimes you've got to talk to somebody so you can be accountable. And say, I've struggled in this area. This was a large part of my healing was being accountable in a small group to dad as my boss and pastor and dad. But also in my marriage, learning to be more accountable to my wife after I got married. Not living in secrecy and having secret sin and stuff like that. Say, man, weren't you a man of God? Yes, but I had some weaknesses. And you got to realize that secrets can wipe you out. You need to talk to God first and foremost, but you need to talk to somebody you trust. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer, the effective prayer of a righteous person has great what? Power and produces wonderful results. My first point today is repentance. Repentance. You say, man, is that important? Oh, you better believe it. You were not created or built for sin, people of God. You weren't. 
You weren't created or built for sin. We mess up. We were born. Scripture says we were conceived in sin. You said, man, my parents were believers. I know. But we, you were born with fallen DNA since the Garden of Eden. At some point, you have to get to the age of accountability where you say, I accept Jesus. I want to get baptized. I want to be right with God. You must accept Jesus. Scripture says there's no other way to get to heaven, and there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus. That's it. All right? You have to accept Jesus. But at some point, you had to humble yourself, didn't you? And say, God, I can't save myself. The world right now is in a classic stance of they believe if they'll ignore sin long enough, it'll go away. It'll make them innocent again. And how many of you know, uh-uh, that's not how it works. People are suicidal. People are struggling because many of them, many of them, most of the time, when they're struggling with that, it's because they are walking in sin. They are living a lifestyle that God did not plan for them, that he did not create them for. You weren't built for sin. Unconfessed sin is damaging. Unconfessed sin, it affects your mind. It affects relationships. Let me hit something. It's going to strike everybody hard. It's going to be like a punch from Mike Tyson when he was heavyweight champion in his prime. This is not me condemning you. Let me give you part of my testimony before I drop a bomb on you. I told you I was exposed at a young age because I was briefly sexually abused by a neighbor. Um, pornography showed up in my life early. I was introduced to it at a young age. It was in and out of my life for years. God had to deliver me from that completely. Okay? This is so I take the, take the weight off your shoulders and say, man, I'm being condemned. No, I want you to feel convicted, though. Once you accept Jesus, you need to run away from pornography. I didn't know that women struggled with it, too. Some of the older generation said, that's not our thing. Dad was talking about it yesterday. He said, man, back in the day, if you were going to look at girly magazines as a man, you had to go to the store and be all ashamed. They kept, it, kept them hidden under the counter. I think growing up, they had them behind the counter, and they were blacked out. You couldn't even see the covers of magazines. You had to go buy them. So that took guts, man. You're struggling with perversion. You said, man, I'm, you walk into the store, and they, I believe they would ID you. That's what I heard. I never bought any like that, but I, that's what I heard. They would ID. I said, man, you're old enough to get this. Okay, you're older, 18 or older. You can buy these dirty magazines. Now there's smartphones. Now there's computers. It's gotten easy and easier and easier to, to junk, get into that junk. Now they're saying, I can speak for boys, many, many boys at age eight, kids as well, just boys and girls, are expo exposed to pornography by the age of eight. YouTube, whatever else, curiosity, man, they didn't know nothing about that. And then here's the problem. It restructures your brain. I'm not sticking it to anyone today, being judgmental. Heaven knows. God has delivered me. I'm free. I've been free for years. But I'm careful what I watch. I'm careful what I look at. I guard my heart because out of it are the issues of life. It determines the course of my life. Same with you. If you're struggling, dear brother, dear sister today, Man, you know what? Be thinking about it. I hope this doesn't throw you off. If I feel led, we'll do an altar call. Say, man, I've struggled with lust. I've struggled with perversion. I'm looking at stuff. I'm, man, you know what? There's hope for you. Someone say there's hope. There's hope. Don't give up on yourself. God has not given up on you. You say, man, I've been in a rut. I came to know Jesus. Now all I feel is guilt because of this and because of that. I, I struggle. Did you know there's lots of reasons why people get into pornography? They're rejected. They're sexually abused. They're hurt. It's a crutch. And did you know this about pornography? It does things to your brain that would make heroin and meth jealous.
It creates new neural pathways in your brain. Be careful what you're exposed to, dear brothers and sisters. This is not a condemning message, and you know it. I love you. I want you to be free. I am free. I'm free from the effects of that. Grew up in a great home. My parents were not into weird junk. They taught us right, but I was exposed to that junk at a young age, and the enemy wanted to destroy me. I remember thinking as a much younger man, it's like I could hear a voice saying, I'm going to kill you. This urge, because of the sexual abuse you suffered and what you've been exposed to in pornography, I'm go- Matt, I'm going to destroy you. But I saw a light at the end of the tunnel. Because I had already accepted Jesus. It's just this stuff, stuff would come and go. I accepted Jesus at a young age. And I said, no, nah, Lord, there's hope. i got to be accountable. i got to be honest. You've called me to be holy, separate, different. The whole world's struggling with pornography. Not everybody, but I'm saying, let me rephrase that. I would say perversion in some form or fashion. It may or may not be pornography, but sexual sin. Sexual sin is any se- sexual activity outside of marriage. He said, man, fornication, I think pornography falls under the category of fornication. That's an old King James word. It's sexual sin outside of marriage, so it's not sanctioned by God. Young ladies, we know, we know young men naturally struggle with lust, but young ladies, guard your hearts, guard your eyes. Don't you let just any man touch you. He better put a ring, if he likes it, he better put a ring on that finger. You know what I'm saying? He better put a ring on that finger. Y'all can smile again. It's okay. I know this is heavy hitting. Y'all can smile again. I love you. This is why I'm telling you the truth. So we've got to repent of whatever it is. Pornography, lies, perversion. Man, if we're struggling with just fear and not trusting God, whatever it is, anything that does not please God, not just in that area of sexual sin, anything that doesn't please God, anything that robs your peace, we've got to apologize to the Lord for it and say, I'm sorry, Lord, especially as believers. Say, I'm sorry, Lord Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me, heal me. So that's repentance. Is that important? Yes, you never want to get in a place where you're blocking the blessings of God. Many times the greatest barrier to receiving God's blessing is ourselves. God's, God's over here. We're here on the receiving end. He's giving. We're trying to receive it. Man, we turn around, we turn our back, and we block the blessing as, man, as well as we can, even if we're not trying to. Don't do that. Learn to repent. The major call of the ministry that God has gifted me with is to call people to repentance and to get right with God. So someone say repentance. All right. Take a deep breath. All right. It's going to get a little lighter now. We had to get, I had to get that off my chest, okay? Everybody okay? Smile at me. Raise your hand if you're okay. All right, I've still got you. Praise God. I know you're awake, though. Not a person in here is nodding off, and that is part of my job. I invite people to church on the streets many times. I'll give them a card, and they'll say, what? Are you the pastor? I'll say, yeah, I promise I won't put you to sleep. <laughs> Even if i got to trip you out, man, and freak you out. I was Shock value, shock and awe, I will not put you to sleep. Someone say repentance. Yes, praise God. How about this? How about release? Someone, look at this, release. I'm going to talk about two forms of release here. One's going to tie into repentance, and one's going to be into the actual release I was headed toward today. But I feel inspired to say this. You've got to set your past on fire. 
Hernán Cortés, one of the great Spanish conquerors, you say, oh, that's, that's racist. No, it's just our history. Let me just bring it up. He was crazy. They were crazy. Life happens. It wasn't all done right. But when the Spanish conquerors came to Mexico and to the New World, Hernán Cortés got all his 600 men off the boats, and he said, set fire to the ships. Let everybody know that we're here to stay. We cannot cross back over because the ships have been burned. And in two years... He conquered the Aztec Empire. He said, man, that's awful. There was, hey, there was a lot of bad in there, but these are just the facts. Because of their, their drive to succeed, he said, burn the ships. And in two years, with 600 men, he conquered the Aztec Empire. That's unbelievable. It wasn't all good. But here's my point. you got to set fire to your past. You got to set fire to your past. We used to do that at, at men's and women's retreats. Man, we'd write out a list of our sins or generational curses, stuff that had been in our past, and we'd light them on fire. Now, I don't mean burn bridges with people just to burn bridges. Burning bridges with humans and other people. Well, there, there's only one kind of people, right? Humans, hopefully. <laughs> humans and other people. This ain't Star Trek. Green people and different shaped heads and stuff. Burning bridges means demeaning and underappreciating people that God has placed in your life. Or there may be people in your life you say, I've got to move on from them, but you don't burn bridges just to hurt them. And do you, do you see what I'm saying? You've got to set your past on fire, not bridges. You may need, need to be able to cross back over and tell someone about Jesus. All right? So we don't underappreciate people or demean people or undervalue them. That's burning bridges. But you got to set fire to the ships, brother and sister. you got to set fire to the past and say, that's it. That's it. You know what Elisha did when he was called? Elijah walked up to him. Man, talk about a G move. Elijah walked up, got his cloak, his mantle, threw it on Elisha while he's plowing with the oxen and walked off. Can you imagine? Talk about a mic drop moment. Can you imagine if I did that? I don't usually wear a coat to church, but I took my coat, and I'm calling someone to be a disciple of Christ, throw my coat over them, and just walk off. They'd go, what? It had special significance back then. That was the mantle of the prophet. Elisha said, oh, man, let me go back and say bye to my family. We're going to throw a party. And you know Elijah's response? He said, what did I just do to you? What have I to do with you? Basically, God called you. Do what you want with it. So you know what Elisha did? He got the, the plowing equipment. And he got those oxen, he built a fire and sacrificed, sacrificed the oxen. He burned his means to his old life. He couldn't go back and plow anymore. He was done. He burned the past so he could go be a prophet. And we know Elisha ended up having twice the anointing that his predecessor had. had. Did it mean he was greater? Not necessarily, but he had twice as many miracles. A life of miracles because he set his past on fire. Let's go to Psalm 118.24. Let me give you another type of release. Let your past go. That goes to repentance. But look at this. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. You know that's good news for me? Because that means I did not create today, so I cannot control it. I can control how I respond. I, that's where self-control comes in. But I cannot control everything in my day. You need to let go of it. Family, you need to let go of some things. You know what drains me? Micromanaging. And I tend to do that sometimes, especially if I'm struggling. I'll tell my wife, oh, no, did you, why don't you do it like that? Can we do it like this? Can you turn that off? Can you turn that on? She's like, baby, when are you leaving? Don't you got, stu <laughs> don't you got stuff to go do? 
Some of you wives know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, I love you at home, baby, but it's time to go. Bye. Give me a kiss. Bye. Get up out of here. My mom used to say that about dad. <laughs> She'd say, man, he's got to go, man. He's, he's micromanaging, right? Leaders do that, but people do that. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. He created us, Scripture says, and not we ourselves. I didn't create myself, so I can't control everything. I sure as heck didn't create you, huh? Parents say, oh, no, we created them. Oh, God created them. God gave you the power to reproduce and stuff, but we cannot control everything. You've got to let it go. Someone say, let it go. Mm -hmm. It's hard to focus on your own issues when you're micromanaging everything. Someone think about that. You ever been in that situation where you're taking the focus off of yourself because you're trying to worry about everyone else? Jesus said, don't worry about the splinter in your neighbor's eye when you got a log in your own eye. Oh, let me, let me, oh, you're not doing that right. And God says, what about you? And you are important on your priority list. Number one is God. Number two is you. Let's not be too spiritual. Number one is God. Number two is you. Number three is your spouse or your family or whatever order that takes, whatever relationship situation you're in. But number one is God. Number two is you. Why? Because if you're jacked up, you can't help anybody. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I, man, that, that verse has helped me in so many ways. It's become a revelation to me. and say, this is the Lord's day. He's given me this day, but it's still His day. Let's go to Philippians 4, 6. This will help you let go of some stuff. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Can I get an amen in here? My mom used to love to quote that verse. said, let it go, babe, mom would say. <laughs> Those of you that remember my mom, she'd say, let it go, babe. Imagine yourself taking it to the altar, of, taking it to the throne room of Jesus and leaving it in there. Let it go. You can't change it anyway. You get to a point, you say, man, I got to fix this. I got to fix that. You know what we need? I believe it was Carnegie that said this years ago. Who was the famous Carnegie that was a motivational speaker? Was it Andrew Carnegie? Dale Carnegie. Andrew Carnegie was the, the iron magnate. Dale Carnegie. He said, we need to live life in day-tight compartments. Think about that. Meaning I can influence everything I can for today. Yesterday, we set fire to that. It's done. It's right now, tomorrow. Mm. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough problems and worries for itself. You deal with today, Jesus said. Doesn't mean you don't prepare for tomorrow, but you can't worry about it. Because I can't change yesterday. I can't fix and change tomorrow. Uh-uh. But I can deal with right now. Someone say right now. Let's go to Matthew 6.34. What does this say? Mm-hmm. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't let excessive control distract from focusing on truly important things like what? God, a transformed transform mind, relationships that matter, right? Very, very important stuff to think about. All right. So we have repentance. Someone say repentance. We have release. Someone say, let it go. Let me, make sure, let me make sure everybody's with me still. Look up here. Everybody look me in these eyes right here. Don't get distracted by the shiny head. Just look me in the eyes. Say, I'm going to let it go. Say, I'm going to let it go. Have you noticed you can't? i got to say it again. Repetition's good. Have you noticed you can't control everything? Might as well come to terms with it. People are going to choose. I bet once a week you look at somebody you love and go, man, people are crazy. 
I think I look in the mirror sometimes and go, man, people are crazy. I talk to myself. I think it's okay as long as I don't argue. I talk to myself. I practice languages. I love Spanish and German and other languages, and I, I practice. I'll preach to myself a little bit. I'll be like, mm. I'll say, man, how would that sound? That's the truth of the word. But there are times I got to say, man, people are crazy, so I got to just let it go. I can't control everyone. I can't control everything. I can control my response, and I can control myself with God's help by His Holy Spirit. Remember self-control? Self-control is central to the fruit of the Spirit. You say, man, I can choose to have joy today. I can choose to forgive. I can choose to be patient, right? So we got repentance, release. Now let's go on to my third point today, and that is routine. Some of you are better at this than others. Man, I've, I've had to practice this. I'm naturally a free spirit, but I practice this. I am in the Word and prayer every day. Every day. Monday, Monday through Sunday through Monday, all the way back around. Every week I'm, I'm in the Word and prayer. You say, just because you're a pastor? No, because I love God and I'm a believer. Every believer is called to seek God with a routine. Let's go to Matthew 6, 11 in the English Standard Version. Look at this. I love this. Do you see the routine in this? It's part of the Lord's Prayer. You remember this verse? Give us this day our daily bread. There are some things that are so important they are done daily. I've said this lately and it made me laugh. If it doesn't make you laugh, then that's okay because it still makes me laugh. Growing up, Dad would say, hey man, people got to take a shower once a week whether they need it or not. Think about that. Hopefully it's daily. You don't want to get infections and stuff. Get clean. The earwax out. Get clean, right? There are things you do that are good habits, and you do them daily. Did you know good, healthy routine creates good habits and good mental health? Good, healthy routine creates good habits and good mental health. I don't have to think about it to brush my teeth before bed. But here's the sad part. I always brush my teeth before bed, but I didn't floss. Some people's gums are better than others, stronger, whatever. But man, it got to a point where I was having gum problems about 10, 11, 12 years ago, and I knew I cannot miss flossing my teeth anymore. I'll start having worse problems. And I kid you not, within the last about 11 years, I've missed flossing my teeth three times. I say, whoa! I'm not naturally a disciplined person. Person, I had to do that. And in the same way, I get in the Word and I stay in the Word. Why? Because I need it. It's good for me. Routine will protect you. All right? Especially when it's godly routine. Let's go to Luke 9.23. Look at this. Look at what Jesus said. He said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross yearly. That's not what I'm reading. Daily and follow me. He said, take up your cross daily. That sounds like routine, doesn't it? You can study what Jesus said and did and find out all kinds of routines that he was part of and things that he taught that were routine. Somebody say routine. Day in, day out. Day in, day out. Let's go to Luke 4.16 in the English Standard Version. Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom... It's what he did usually. He did it often, as was his custom. Or someone could say, it's his habit. He went to synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up and what? He began to read. Jesus went to church. 
I've heard people that are more, did you know they're more spiritual than God? They go, I don't have to go to church. I'm like, Jesus went to church, so what does that mean? Are you more powerful than Jesus? Are you better than Jesus? People say, I can worship God at home. Well, yes, that's true. That is true. But everybody needs to reconnect and come. We, hey, it's all part of this. You disperse and you reconnect. You disperse and you reconnect. You've got to go home sometime. You can't live up in here. Some people would like to, man, I don't have any problems in here. I left all my problems. I can't even find them. Praise God. We disperse and we reconnect every week. you got to go home, got to get into your regular lives, your sphere of influence, but we reconnect. It's an amazing mystery of the body of Christ. We always reconnect. We always come together. That should be part of your good routine. Now remember this. If there is no word, there is no transformation. It has to be daily. How can you obey the word if you're not learning it? How can you study the Word if it's not in front of you to study it? Whether it's listening to it, reading it, reading along, whatever, practicing it. We're going to get into some serious um, ways to study the Word and, and really saturate your life with it next Sunday, okay? But today, I just got to say that briefly, is no Word, no transformation. Y'all with me? Let's go to Luke 5.16 now. Luke had some good stuff for us. Look at what this says. Look at Jesus' routine. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness <clears throat> for prayer. He would get away. Often means all the time, right? Often means, someone say often. often. Uh-huh. You got to get away from the rat race sometimes and pray. You got to get that phone and, I was going to say flush it down the toilet, but you're probably going to need it later. Like in the movies or you see different stuff or someone gets, just gets her phone and drops it in a glass of water, you know. Like, man, I'm sick of this thing. You cannot be controlled by your phone. And, hey, the sad thing is, it's constantly notifying us. The guys that design those apps, they design them to get you addicted to their app and to the phone. So you have to do like Jesus. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Blessed for you, we already live in the wilderness. <laughs> Just get alone. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. I, it was not a joke. It's just the truth. Appreciate the courtesy laughs. It's just true. I mean, you already, live, you already live in the wilderness. You might as well get alone. I mean, it's, the wilderness is translated as desert many times. I like the wilderness with trees personally. But, hey, you got to get alone. Someone say get alone. get alone. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. That was his routine. Someone say routine. So we have repentance. We have release. And we have routine. And a large part of routine is repetition. Scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing and hearing. I've heard men and women of God say that over the years. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. That's part of it. Even within Scripture, there's different nuances and levels of understanding and truth. What does that verse mean? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Well, it means the more you hear the Word, the more you believe it. The more you hear truth, the more you believe it and apply it. But it comes with routine and repetition. Hearing and hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I'd ask you if there's any questions, but there's no way on earth you would ask a question right now, right? So make it a habit to seek God. Make sure that your good, healthy routines begin to create good habits, good mental health in your life. Look, let me just throw this in there. Say, man, will this renew my mind? I think it can help you get out of anxiety and depression. We've been told, studies now show us, that even exercise three times a week, some kind of exercise, combats anxiety and depression as well as some of the best meds out there. 
It's crazy. I mean, I'm not one of those. I was talking to Eric the other day, I think this morning. I'm not one of those that's going to go run seven miles. I'm not. You're going to do that? God bless you. Go in peace. <laughs> I like sprints, personally. But I'll chase a basketball like a dog, right? I'll chase a ball around. I, I love that, man. Oh, and the rhythm of crossing and dribbling and, and shooting. Oh, I love that. That's rhythmic. It's therapeutic. But, man, just running. See, the runners will tell you the same thing. They'll say, but, Pastor Matt, running is rhythmic and hypnotic. You're just running. It's just you and God. And all I'm seeing, thinking when I'm running is my jaw hitting, going, I'm like, oh, never like distance running. But I admire those who do Whatever it is, you need routine. It'll clear your head. It'll clear the cobwebs. Are you hearing me? Let me say it again. I love repetition. Helps, helps for it to be drilled into our heads, burned into our residual memory. Repentance, release, let it go. Come on, let it go. Let the past go. Let control go. Now routine. Don't let anything get in the way of you and God. Don't let anything get in the way of you having your mind renewed with God's help. But you are the largest part of that equation apart from God. It's God and then you, remember? All right, let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes today. I believe God has spoken to you. <clears throat> I need to make sure that your heart is right with God, that you've accepted Jesus. Because according to Scripture, Jesus spoke about hell a lot. Those are just the words of Jesus we have recorded. And very, very often Jesus spoke about hell. Why? Because he was warning us away from it. I didn't make that up. If the word hell offends you, then so be it. But I'm going to speak the truth in love and let God sort it all out. But you as a human have been called to serve God. You were created to be his son and daughter. But the only way you become a son or daughter of God is by accepting Jesus and his sacrifice. Is there anyone in this house at the sound of my voice who has never accepted Jesus and made him the Lord of your life? You say, man, Pastor Matt, if I died, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. This could be your moment. Today is the day of salvation. Would you raise your hand and pray with me if you say, man, I have never accepted Jesus. I need to do it now. If I died, I don't know where I'd go, Pastor. Would you raise your hand today? We're going to pray together. I will not embarrass you in any way. Let's pray. If, is there anyone in the house? All right. Repeat this prayer after me. We're going to make sure. Somebody say, Heavenly Father. That's right. Everybody in the house, say, Heavenly Father. Please forgive me of my sin. Without you, I'm just a sinner. I need you, Lord. I need your sacrifice. I need the blood of Jesus. Without you, I'm nothing. And without Jesus, I'll go to hell. And I can't do that. So say, I call upon the name of Jesus. I confess and believe that he is Lord. And he died on the cross. And he rose again. Forgive me for my sin, Lord. Cleanse me. Heal me. Save me. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me. This is not going to be easy for you. But God spoke to me while I was preaching this sermon. And I believe with all my heart that the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, tell them if they will come to this altar, when you announce the altar call, 
they will be free of their past and they'll be free of perversion. I'm not throwing stones at anybody because I live in a glass house. You can see what's going on with me. I talk about it every week. Not a lot. I hide from you. I don't tell you everything. But you can ask my wife. I'm very transparent and real. I have some areas of my life that are private, but man, I'm a very open and transparent person. If there is anyone at the sound of my voice, I want you to go ahead and stand to your feet. Just everybody, go ahead. I did that backwards, but that's okay. You're listening. If there is anyone at the sound of my voice that has struggled in any areas of perversion, you say, man, sex outside of marriage, I got to get this forgiven by the Lord. This is going to take courage. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you in. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you in because God has plans for you. You were not created for perversion, dear brothers and sisters. If you've struggled in any any area of your life, pornography, wrong movies, anything that's perversion-laced, something in your past, or you need to get through sexual abuse, anything relating to perversion or sex outside of the covenant of marriage, I want you to come up to this altar, and I want you to face me right here. You're not facing me. You're facing God. Oh, man, you're going to break my heart with your humility. Oh, God is good. Go ahead. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. God is with you. And you know what? You knew this already, but you're better than that. Because, you say, oh, do you mean that out of a guilt trip, Pastor? No, because God created you. You're better than anything else in His creation. You're not better than other people, but you're different, you're unique. Some of you said, man, I've been exposed to crazy stuff. I didn't mean to. It started on YouTube or someone gave me a magazine or someone touched me wrong and set me on that path of perversion. Oh, man, there's forgiveness at the cross, isn't there? Some of you would honestly say, Pastor Matt, I've struggled for years. I'm not going to use all the words for it. We have a mixed crowd in here, but you know what I'm talking about. Looking at images, doing things that are not pleasing to God. Every time you've done them, you've felt guilty. If it brings guilt and robs your peace, then that is not from God, is it? Oh, this is the call of God for your life, and that's to be separate from the world and to be pure. Go ahead and raise your hands all over this building, but especially up here at this altar. Your courage, your strength, your your boldness to come up here, Oh, man, if it touches my heart, I know it touches the heart of God. Right now, I break the spirit of perversion over everybody that has come to this altar. Whatever it stems from, whatever they've seen, whatever they've been involved in, or sexual abuse or whatever, I break the spirit of perversion right now. Agree with me. And I cast it out in Jesus' name. That's the strong man we're taught about in in the spiritual warfare class. I break the spirit of perversion, and I loosen purity and holiness right now. You are a son and daughter of God. You're called to be holy. Holy is not a religious word. It means separate from the world and its system. You're not called to be just like the world. You're called to be different. Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not imitate the customs of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by allowing God to change the way you think. Today, there's an anointing of purity over you. Right now, I declare it in Jesus' name. I believe God sees your humble hearts. God sees what you've been through. God knows. Only God knows, man. Oh, man, there's no shame now. 
want you to take a deep breath up here as God releases you from your past. That past is set on fire. The mistakes of yesterday morning, yesterday afternoon, this morning even, it's all under the blood of Jesus. If you've accepted Jesus, all your mistakes and sin have been set on fire in the past, and they're released, and they're covered and gone. And Jesus, His Word says it's about Jesus. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Your sin is taken away. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. True freedom. True freedom. True freedom. Here's your word for this week, for the rest of this month. This this word is free. F-R-E-E. This word is free. You are free. And let me give you some clues here. Remember, if you've struggled, remember, remember James 5.16. I've used that, that word in a lot of sermons. But after you confess it to the Lord, you need to find someone you trust and confide in them. I did it, and it changed my life. Small groups changed my life and saved my life. And talking to my mentor and to other teachers, saying, hey, here's what I'm struggling with, man. Whatever it is, you say, man, I'm struggling in an area of lust, or I'm struggling in this area. Whatever it is, I'm struggling with pride. I'm struggling with... You need to talk to somebody. It can be a pastor. It can be a teacher. Someone you respect in the Lord. Someone that can keep your secret and honor God by honoring what you've told them, and they can pray with you. But you need to tell someone, dear brother and sister. If you've already told your husband and wife, I'll be honest with you, you need someone else to talk to. You can't tell your husband or wife every time. Sometimes they can't handle that over and over and over again. My wife was brilliant at this simple wisdom. She said, baby, make sure you have someone to talk to. She told me that over 10 years ago. She said, make sure you always have someone to talk to about what you're going through. You can talk to me, but she said, you got to be able to talk to men, your mentor, your teachers. And I have just that. I have those that are safe and speak the truth of the word into my life. Praise God, he's faithful. Praise God, he is faithful. God is not done with you. I want you all to look at me. I want you to go like this, like you're wiping the shame off. Man, you are not, you are not ashamed. God is with you. We're not proud of our past, but we're proud of what Jesus did to eliminate, wipe out, and set on fire our past. You know what Jesus told the woman who sinned? Mm-hmm. And before that, he said, where are your accusers? He said, well, guess what? I don't condemn or accuse you either, and I tell you that this morning. I'm not Jesus, but I'm his humble messenger. I do not condemn you, but you go and sin no more. You can practice that. Go and sin no more. You have something you'd like to share, baby? The good news is that this morning is a morning of celebration. So you came humbly and broken, and you brought that sin before Jesus this morning, but now you walk out of here, and you should be celebrating because today something changed. Today you repented and you received the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness and you walk out of here different. So don't walk out of here with your head low. Walk out of here today celebrating. If this You're going to remember today. You're going to write down the date of today and you're going to remember today's the day my life changed forever. Before you go back to your seats, everybody that came to this altar, I want to challenge you. Before you walk out of that door, find one of us and get into a connect group. That's what's going to help you disciple and grow and have the accountability that Pastor Matt was talking about. If you're not in a connect group, we have them for men, we have them for women. They're incredible, and you need it. We all need it. I need it. You need it. We all need it, okay? 
Amen. Everybody give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God. <laughs>